I thought I would create a navigation series, just kind of hit on things. Um, navigation's a pretty big subject. It takes a lot of time and practice um, to get really good with it and maintenance too, to get to stay sharp with those skills. And it's a huge deal in mountain guiding because we're always trying to figure out where we are in time and space. And that's really important. Even if it's just going to a local crag to go rock climbing for half a day with some folks, you still need to know where you are in time and space. You need to know how to get there. You need to know where to park. You need to know how to navigate to the cliff. You need to know where the routes are. And then you need to kind of figure out your time plan, right? To do what you're trying to do and then get back to um, the office or wherever to kind of end your day. And then just extrapolate that into much larger and maybe longer trips um, in much more mountainous terrain. Like that's super important um, to be able to understand that. And navigation is a really interesting topic. It goes back a long time. I just got a book. I haven't started reading it yet, but essentially they're making the, the, the point that the ability to navigate and make maps m- may be one of the things that actually progressed human evolution more than some other things that we might have traditionally thought of. So I'm kind of curious to see how that book is going to go, but um, I'm definitely intrigued because I like maps. But one thing that's really important with navigation is that we're always trying to compare apples to apples, right? If we're not comparing apples to apples, then we can be wildly off and trying to figure out where we are in time and space if the units aren't the same, if the coordinate system's not the same, um, if the scale's not the same, all those things. So we're trying to figure out apples to apples. So when I just get a map out, and that could be a paper map or that could be a digital map, you know, I have a few maps out in front of me right now, is like I'm trying to find that information out so I can at least get myself oriented to that map and give myself a groundwork of what the apples actually are. So therefore, if I'm actually going to compare that particular map to another map, I can look for those other apples on the other map. So, you know, oftentimes maps will have a section called the legend. And the legend is where we see a lot of pertinent details that give us what the apples are of that map. So some things in maps can be relatively universal, but not always. So you always have to kind of do a little bit of um, digging to make sure that what you're seeing in the map and how you're seeing it is what you really think is going on. Because I've definitely been confused a couple times with maps and I didn't quite get it. And then I looked a little bit more at the legend and go, oh, okay, that's how the map's oriented. Okay, it's different than what I thought. So now I can move forward. This makes a lot more sense. So let's think about some of the apples I'm looking for. First thing is, I'm just looking at what this, maybe what the symbols are on that map and the color scheme on that map. So there are some universal things that you may see, um, but if you're traveling internationally or if you're traveling and there are different entities building a map versus, say, the government making a map, but you're seeing someone else kind of creating their own map for that area, they might use different symbols and colors to represent things. So it's kind of like, all right, what does this line mean? What does this shape mean? What does this color mean? And the legend oftentimes will give you that information, which is really helpful and really useful, especially as you're going into more international areas, right? really understanding what those symbols mean can be really helpful um, as you're trying to navigate around. So I might look for that. That's pretty basic stuff, right? Another thing I'm going to look for is the scale. That's super important. So what's the scale of the map? Because if we're not looking at maps of the same scale, 
that can be a big problem in terms of how we interpret what's on the map. But also if we're trying to use some other tools, maybe like some mapping tools that we might have in our guide notebook to help figure out a coordinate system or a distance, for example. So scale, you know, is usually represented in um, a ratio. So like a real common ratio in North America is one to 24,000. So that means roughly one inch equals 24,000 inches in real life. So one inch on the map equals roughly 24,000 inches on the planet. You know, you can also see other scales like one to 50,000, one to 100,000. There's all kinds of different scales. There are some that are pretty um, standard around the world, um, but it's important to understand the scale. And the interesting thing too there is we need to understand the difference between a large scale map and a small scale map. So as the number and the ratio gets smaller, the scale gets larger. So for example, one to 24,000 is a large scale map relative to one to 50,000. So as the number gets bigger in the ratio, the actual scale gets smaller. And one way to think about this is like, say you wanted to build a model of the Titanic, right? If you built a one-to-one -one model, right? So one inch on your model equals one inch on the Titanic, you would have to build the Titanic to have that model, right? Versus if you built a one to 24,000 model, so one inch on your model equals 24,000 on the Titanic, you would have a much smaller Titanic, right? So the difference there is one to one is a large scale, one to, one to 24,000 is a smaller scale. And then once again, if you went to one to 50,000, you'd have an even smaller version of the Titanic. So now the one to 24,000 is a larger scale than the one to 50,000. So it's important to understand that. And small scale maps are nice for seeing a larger section of the planet, but they don't give you as much detail, right? Where smaller scale, or excuse me, larger scale maps are really nice because they give you more detail in a smaller surface area, but you don't get to see as big of a picture. So it's often nice when you go into the field to have a combination of large scale maps for the detail, and specifically we're gonna be, and maybe small scale maps to give you a better uh, understanding of the surrounding of where you are. So maybe you're doing some more travel or you maybe you need to use um, points in the distance as aids to navigation that you won't get on a large scale map. So I think the scale is really important. You know, another thing I'll look at um, is like if there's a lot of topography, so therefore we have a lot of contour lines, what's the contour interval? What is the actual vertical distance between contour lines? I remember being in Alaska and having a map and looking at everything and everything made sense to me. And then, then realizing the contour lines were much further spaced apart than what I'm used to. I think they were like 100 feet apart versus 20 to 40 feet. And it just made me realize like, wow, this is just a much bigger place with a lot more topography than some of the places like in New England where I live. And having to understand that and kind of figuring that out was, was really powerful. I'm like, oh, apples to apples now. Now I can really understand what I'm looking at a little bit more. So contour lines are pretty interesting. And the contour lines... Are, Interval is really interesting in a sense that like, remember, a lot of life happens between contour lines. You can easily have significant consequential terrain that is not represented on a map that is in between contour lines because it's too small to really come up in the, the creating of the map, but it's there like small cliff bands, maybe like little teeny slot canyons and stuff like that. Like it's, that stuff is pretty real. So you have to understand that piece as we're looking at contour lines. I think some other things I'm looking at to kind of get orient myself to the map 
would be, you know, once again, distance, right? So there's, there should be some sort of distance marker. So that way, when you are measuring a distance, a line, for, for example, on the map, you can go down to the scale and see what that line actually represents into distance, um, both in imperial units or metric you know, the other thing that's really important is when you're doing measurements on a map, that is a as the crow flies measurement. That's not accounting for topography. So in some places, if you're trying to measure the distance between two mountain points, it's literally a straight line as if you could just fly directly to that other mountain. If there's a significant valley in between these two mountain points, the distance might be significantly different because of the, all the vertical drop and then gain to get to the other side. So you always have to think about that a little bit. Um, oftentimes, the distance difference isn't that great in general, so we don't usually account for it. But when you do have really significant valleys and such, that can be a really big, um, important piece to know, especially as you're talking about maybe a time plan for sure. So distances is pretty, is pretty important. I think another thing that's really important is the datum of the map. So datum kind of allows you to understand when that particular map was made, kind of the theories and ideas they had about creating the coordinate system and what they're using as reference points for that coordinate systems were really from, right? So when you have maps of different datum, right? Especially if you have like an, an earlier datum versus a newer datum, right? As we progress, right? We have better ways of looking at what our reference points are and maybe can be more precise with that um, and account for more distortion. So you might find that the actual coordinate systems are um, off by just looking at different datums. So just quickly, you know, in North America, the datums that you're really going to see for sure, um, and datums can vary all over the world, but the ones you see a lot are NAD 27. From 1927, you see NAD 83 and you see WGS 84. Um, those are the big datums that you usually see in maps. Um, the NAD 83 and the WGS 84 are essentially the same, so you can essentially consider those apples to apples. Um, but the NAD 83 and WGS 84 are different than the NAD 27. And most of the time, it's not that big a deal, but when you're using certain coordinate systems, it can be off enough that if you have a mountain with a significant ridgeline, just by going from one datum to the other might place your coordinate on one side of the mountain or the other. That's a hyper-specific scenario, and we actually have that here in Maine at our highest peak in Katahdin. It puts you on one side of the mountain versus the other purely just by which datum you're looking at. Um, so that's kind of an interesting thing. So, And the other thing about datum, just to make apples to apples, if you're going to use a digital tool like a GPS, you can set the datum in the GPS to match the map you're using. And why I think that's important is sometimes I might only have access to maps with an older datum. So the topographical information may be still perfectly relevant, but the datum's different. So that way I can get my digital tools to correspond with that older map. And that's why it's important to understand that datum piece. Another piece is the reference of the map in terms of where north is. So most maps are oriented to north, usually true north, um, sometimes map north, and we'll talk about the north later. But every once in a while, you'll get a map where how it's oriented in front of you is not oriented to north. I remember being in Japan skiing and looking at this map for the ski area, and all the 
the shading of the slopes, everything just didn't make sense to me. Like I, I couldn't see it. I, I couldn't figure out what the deal was. And then I finally figured out, oh, the map is not oriented to north. It's oriented to a different cardinal direction. So once I figured that out, all the shading became relevant again. I, I, it all of a sudden made sense again. It's like, oh, that's why it's like this because I think it's being you know, facing this way and it's really not. So making sure you understand the way the map is oriented is really important for sure. Um, some other really important things on the map you know, that I'm going to look for is, you know, what kind of coordinate systems it might have. So some maps may not have any, any coordinate system at all. Some maps may have one type of coordinate system. Some maps may have two types of coordinate systems. Some maps may have grid lines for one coordinate system or grid lines for both coordinate systems, you know, or no grid lines at all. So it's really important to kind of suss that out too. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you, just a little trick, if you create a map on a digital platform, right, and you have the ability to put a coordinate system grid lines on the map, I recommend always doing that. There's no reason not to do that because it gives you reference. If you build a map that doesn't have grid lines, Sure, you can get a lot of information out of there, but when it comes to actually, you know, navigating and you need to use coordinates or you want to use coordinates, um, or even just kind of sometimes drawing lines um, and doing really rough, um, you know, um, bearings with a compass, grid lines really help you out. So there's really no downfall for putting grid lines on, um, for sure. But that's something I'm going to look for as well. And then also declination. Declination is a big thing. So, you know, understanding where you are on the planet will allow you to understand the differences between magnetic north and true north and map north. So at some point I'm going to talk about the three norths because there's not just one north. And that's really important, once again, in terms of using tools like a compass, right? And remember, we have compasses on... GPSs on our watches, right? But we have to understand, are we thinking about true north bearings? Are we thinking about magnetic north bearings? Are we thinking about map north bearings? So those are really important things too, because if you're not comparing apples to apples with declination, you can be wildly off, right? And that's really important. So I'm always kind of like taking a few moments to get a map out, look at it, look at some of those things, right? Figure out you know, what the apples are on that map. So now I can have a better sense of like just how the map's built and what they're using for descriptors of certain things and, and the datum and the scale. Now that lets me to move forward and start building, you know, route plans and tour plans. And then if I'm using multiple maps from different sources for the same area, now I can start comparing apples to apples. <laughs>